Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Air It Out podcast, episode 55. Keep a track at home. I'm your host, Ryan the Goose Gosker, here with you, as always, having the most fun. I would, uh, you know, listen, if we're going to go with the number here, I'm going to go with the late, great Junior Seau, uh, who unfortunately passed away, uh, had a lot of issues with CTE and stuff like that, uh, and had, you know, he, he paid the price for his time in the NFL. And I'm going with the Kambay Matumbo. No, 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 not today. No, no, no. Uh, when he smacks the cereal box, and I think that's the Geico commercial. Love that commercial. I'm joined in the studio by my guest and my co-host, Jolan Bioqua. Jolan, welcome. Good to be here, brother, as always. Um, Derek Brooks, number 55, 10-time Pro Bowler from 97 to 06. Did it in a row. Super Bowl with that first Bucks team in 2002, I believe, or 2001. With Gruden at the helm over yeah, there. Yeah, 2002, 2002. A Hall of Famer, all that good stuff. Derek Brooks, stud. Yeah, absolutely One of two stud. Hall of Famers drafted in 95, I believe, too, with Warren Sapp being the first pick in that draft for the Bucks. That's a pretty good draft right there. And, well, Jolan, every once in a while, you got to make numbers even. And we've thrown out three names out there. And I'm going to throw out a fourth one. This is your episode, pal. You used to wear number 5'5", five five and... Uh, you know, we're dedicating this episode to you as well, my friend. So I'll take it. Let's get after it. I'll this is going to be our last episode in person for a while. Yes, sir. Um, as, as you know, we've mentioned on other podcasts that I will be moving up to the great state of Connecticut to start a job at ESPN, uh, none other than the employer I've wanted to work for my whole life. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, it's it remains to be unseen what the future holds of this podcast, honestly. I want to make sure I clear everything with ESPN. As long as everything's cleared with them, we'll be back on here producing content for you. Um, but obviously, you know, there is the risk that they say it's a conflict of interest or something like that. So, uh, you know, you just got to be careful with that kind of stuff. But we're going to give you all we got today. Jolan, let's get started, brother. Let's uh, dive straight into the NBA. Giannis is now officially a champion, which means Chris Paul is not. Let's dissect this NBA Finals real quick. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks win in six games. They win at home. First time since 1971 that they won the title. Uh, Devin Booker really answered the call. I think in game three he had like 10 points or he was just absolutely dreadful from the field. And then I believe he came back. He had two 40-point games and another like 35-plus point game. Uh, he was really good. Chris Paul turned into what we've never known Chris Paul to be, which is a turnover machine. He was turning into his buddy LeBron. He was Whoa. becoming – LeBron can get loose with the ball, and he'll even admit that too. But Chris Paul got loose with the basketball. You know, he was, uh, you know, just unfortunately too careless at times. There were some massive turnovers late in games. I, I think back to game four when he had the ball in his hands. Can't even remember the score, but he tried to dribble around the screen. Drew Holiday was right up on him. I know we're going to talk about him. And uh, was right up on him, and Chris Paul just lost it, and he's like falling to the ground. And it's just – it. It felt like that old, like it felt like a sign of him just like getting old, like crumbling <laughs> like right in front of us. It, it was tough to watch, and you just wondered. DeAndre Ayton wasn't himself, Jolan. After game one, uh, game two, we saw Monty Williams really, you know, pep talk him and, and get him going. But other than that, he just, I think he was just worn out. I really do. His first postseason, I think he just didn't have the stamina come game five and six you know, to really help carry this team as much he ha as much as he had all postseason long. So you talked about the defensive end, um, obviously, from the Bucks. Let's uh, specifically talk about Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. Four steals apiece in game six there to close it. Is defensive basketball dead, or is this still a three-point 
score 120 and make sure you don't give up 120 league. No, I mean, I don't think defense is dead. Everybody's got guys on their team that can do it extremely, extremely well. You don't win without it. Like, even, even like, we look at the Brooklyn Nets and everybody said, well, they'll just win, you know, score 130. That team can play defense when they want to. James Harden, like, half plays defense. Kevin Durant's seven foot, by the way, with, like, an eight-foot wingspan. Like, he should be able to play defense. Jeff Green's been a 3-and-D guy his whole career. Like, and, Blake, you know, Blake's formidable. He can at least stand there and take, take some body hits down low. So, you know, every team's got these guys, and Drew Holiday was the main piece. Drew Holiday was the guy they brought in to replace Eric Bledsoe. And up until about, I think it was probably about game two, he had similar, and I mean almost dead exact um, stat lines as Eric Bledsoe had. And you're like, well, they gave up all that for that? Really? What was the point? And then in games three through game six, he proved what he's worth to that team. He was spectacular. Not necessarily shooting the ball at like 75%, but his defense was unbelievable. He had the massive steal in game five. Dropping dimes, too. Yep, he had the massive strip of De- of Devin Booker, excuse me, in game five that led to the Giannis dunk on the other end, which was an awful foul by Chris Paul and only compounded mistakes, but that's a different story. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, let's be honest, Chris Middleton was their closer. He was a closer on that team. You know, and again, that's not a knock on Giannis. Like, don't sit here and tell me, whoa, look at the aired out podcast, bad-mouthing Giannis. It's just not true. He had a 50-piece. But when it came to crunch time, Chris Middleton was the guy they went to, and Giannis recognized that. And again, that is stuff we've killed other superstars for. But the, this is the difference, Jolan. What people ask for in terms of a guy like, and one that comes to mind is LeBron. People are not asking that you crucify everybody as much as him. They're just asking that you give him a pass like you give everybody else. You know what I mean? Like It, it, is, it is absurd, but Chris Middleton was great. Um, I thought he was mega inconsistent until, again, the last, like, four games of the series. I thought he was really, really good. That's all you really need. Yeah, and uh, one of the four teams to come back from down 2-0 in the finals. I don't remember all the teams specifically. I remember one of those Miami Heat teams was definitely one with D-Wade and Shaq. Yeah, the 06 uh, team. The 06 team. Yeah, the 16 Cavaliers um, who were down 2-0 and then down 3-1. Uh, and ended up coming back. And there's a there's a couple other teams, I think, probably from the 80s and uh, 70s and 80s. Regardless, what do you think this means now for small market teams? Do you think teams now can cue in on to draft and develop players, such as Giannis being a mid-teens pick, I think 15th overall? Or do you still need to sell out, get the big superstars while you can, trade away future assets? No, if you're Milwaukee, you're trading the farm. Like You, you trade whatever you got to keep this thing rolling because... You know, again, we don't see a lot of the a lot of the big names that won a title. You know, with the teams they started with. You know, you go with a guy like Dirk, um, comes or a mind. guy like D Wade. They won it. I mean, D Wade won it young. You know, but then didn't get there until LeBron came. You know, so there, there was a huge gap there for what was that six, seven seasons, and then you've got Dirk. Dirk never got back. And when you look you know, at guys that built dynasties, your Tim Duncans, your Steph Currys, your Michael Jordans. They got it young. Mm-hmm. They got it young. Maybe not even as young as Giannis did, but, you know, you got to look at it. And, you know, but again, it's not fair. Like MJ, like Chicago is a bigger market than Milwaukee is. You know, it's just that, that type of, there's a differential there. But I would tell you they are positioned, positioned right now. And again, if they continue this aggressive mindset, they're positioned to make a run at a dynasty. 
because they've got the best player in basketball right now. And he is dominating, and he is getting better, and he's showing a willingness to go to the gym and shoot a jump shot, <coughs> Ben Simmons. Even though when he free throws, he airballs it, yeah. and he'll still go back to the line and shoot with confidence. But what did it's he funny. do in game six? He went 17 of 19 from the free throw line yep. in the biggest game of his career. So There's you know, no hack-a-shack there. Yeah, you know, it kind of shows you that, you know, I just think Giannis has taken a quantum leap uh, that we've been waiting for and maybe that we thought was coming two years ago. But isn't it full circle how they, when they first started this major run uh, three years ago, they got bounced in the conference finals by the Raptors, who were down 2-0 and then won four straight, and now this is how they close their title run? I think it's just absolutely fitting when you think about it. Life's full circle. So what does this mean now for the Suns? And specifically, what does this mean now for Chris Paul with his future and his chances at making a finals ever again? Yeah, well, listen, there's the potential that he could be a free agent if he opts out of his player option, which is $44 million. So I think he's opting now for three I, years, $100 million, which is lower he's money. he's trying, yes. And so if anybody blinks at trying to become a free agent, the Knicks are all about it. So they're obviously on the radar. Uh, and then I think he got the Suns. And I honestly do believe... As much as Chris Paul would love to play in MSG every night, I think he's going to stick with the Suns. I think they find a way to get a deal done, uh, and uh, he likes to have his family out there, and they love him there. And it's, I think, I think Phoenix is one of the small markets that's a great basketball city. Well, Phoenix market itself is rising across the board. Right, housing's going up. So, therefore, all the teams and people moving there, Arizona, yeah, the Cardinals. So is, so is like, the temperature. So exactly. It's great. It's, and people are leaving Cali. Yeah. So what you want, but it's true, and they're all moving down to that Utah, Arizona area. Yeah, that's a great it's a great fan base they have there in Phoenix, and I think oh, I think yeah. he ends up staying. I really I hope they get a title soon. They do. Yeah. yeah, I hope I think I think he'll stay. But I know we got a little bit of Knicks little Knicks speaking of the Knicks, uh they've been linked to again, as I mentioned, every free agent since the beginning of time. And uh and they're even linked to Dame Lillard, who has literally said on multiple occasions, I don't want to be traded and Somehow that relates to New Yorkers and saying he wants to be traded. I don't know how that works. Talk me through the psyche on that one. But uh, listen, Dame Lillard to the Knicks would be unbelievably entertaining and marketable. Him hitting those clutch shots in MSG in front of all the dudes that just came from working up their Wall Street job. Like, it, it, there's nothing like it. Like, it's just you can't even you can't even begin to imagine. How that would work. Now, if you're the Knicks and you put it in perspective, everything you get from getting Dame, more jersey sales, tickets sell out the door, you probably get more wins. Is it worth selling the young farm for? Not Julius Randle. He's probably a piece they keep. They got to pay him, too. Yeah, they got the Quickleys of the world. They got the R.J. Barrett's of the world. Do they keep all those guys, or do they sell house completely for Dame? Listen, if y'all got the chance to get Dame Lillard, I'm all about it. You know, like... I would try to, you know, maybe see if you can sneak one of your, you know, whether that's like your first round draft pick or whether that's like, you know, maybe you're trying to keep like quickly or, you know, one of your good young guys. Um, but it, it's Dame Lillard, man. It's Dame time. You know, I think you got to go out and get it. You really do. So and If he doesn't go to the Knicks, where's another fit for Dame to win now? The Knicks. No, I'm kidding. Oh, um, man. I was like, whoa, whoa, win now. <laughs> Well, he could go to Phoenix. He could they could play a four guard lineup with that one. Um, no, I mean, where where could Dame go to win? I mean, 
you know, it's... Besides Brooklyn, I think they're pretty guard-heavy. Well, right yeah, no, listen, I'm going to stay away from the obvious ones. I Philly? Mean, listen, he could go to the Lakers. Can they, they'd, can f- they'd win a title. Can they package... Can Philly package Ben Simmons Dude, up in something Dude, I just don't him? see what the... I What would Portland's want of Ben Simmons be? Like, I, I don't want Ben Simmons because guess what? Now he's your number one. He can't be a number two or three. Well, you have CJ. Well, that's great. And now you've just got CJ and you've got Ben Simmons. We yeah, you just saw enough. Ben Simmons being a number two. Yep, you're you right. You know, he, he just doesn't fit. But Damon and B can win a title. They can give a couple more pieces and just Oh, yeah. Out. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. For Philly, it makes a lot of sense. I'm saying for Portland in return, I just don't see it. This whole thing about – and did you see the report that the uh, the 76ers want four draft round uh, – four – First round picks, three pick swaps, and a young player from the San Antonio Spurs for Ben Simmons. What? Yeah. That trajectory of Ben Simmons that's has expired. Steel. That's expired. He's not worth that much. That's anymore. Th- that's thievery. Like I actually would call the San Antonio police and report a theft. Is that one of those, okay, we're gonna ask for a steep price, therefore nobody comes to offer. So we keep him. But it's like making the yeah, fan base I happy. Think, I don't oh, think they want to keep him. I don't think they wanna keep him. Well then why I don't are they know, asking I don't know so why much. you would, you know? But that's what I'm saying. I don't even know if I'm Portland if I would do CJ for Ben Simmons. Just because, again, of the offensive limitations that he has. Now, if you're a team that you feel like, like, look at the role that Jay Crowder plays. Or look at the role that a guy like Draymond plays. You know, again, I think they're they're more confident offensive players than Ben Simmons is. But that's the type of role that you would see Ben Simmons in. A guy that can score off the pick and roll. Rebound. And a guy that can rebound and defend. That's exactly what Draymond Green does on a nightly basis. And so, but that's that's the role I see him fitting in. And really the only teams that are really looking for that are probably championship contenders. Because, we, you know, if you're rebuilding, the hell is that going to do good for you? No, you're right. You know, so I think it's very complicated. And I don't see the interest in Ben Simmons. And when, I don't see it. I really you, don't. When you think around the league, too, he fits nowhere totally complimentary like he does the Warriors. But yeah. are they even giving up valuable pieces to get him? Answers I, I no. Don't know. The no. answer is no. You can't no. see him on the Celtics. They won't give up Jalen Brown. No. You can't see him on the Knicks. They probably won't give up any. The anybody. price is just way too steep. Exactly. Absolutely too steep. And it's a shame. And it is a shame. And it's a shame for our Olympic team. So, Goose, we got Olympic basketball going on right now. Yeah, and the United States decided they want to lose to France for the first Olympic loss since August 27th of 2004 against my heritage, the Argentines. Um, oh, true. You're Argentinian. This time, this, time to the, <laughs> this time to the French. Uh, and then they came back and smacked Iran, and I kind of felt bad for Iran. I really did. They 55 like ran, point win? Yeah, they ran into a buzzsaw that day. Like, there was nothing they could have done. But uh, you know the U.S. They got to figure this out, man. They really do. They got a great collection of talent, but that doesn't equal team. What does this mean for the NBA and the referees? Clearly, physical basketball is a dying thing in the NBA, but it's still very prominent on the world stage. Well, but it also tells me what are these guys doing in Olympic training? Like they should be practicing these new rules. Like they should be practicing with the dummies out there. You know, hitting guys. Listen, I agree with you, and the NBA has agreed they're going to revamp some of these non-basketball moves that are getting called fouls. The shoulder hooks, the arm hooks, right? The new game, and, and it's you know they say they're working on it. But if you're Team USA, and 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 I'm not even talking about the players, because again, this goes to management. You know the rules are different. You know guys aren't going to get calls. You know they're not prepared for it. Why wouldn't you implement something in practice? There's got to be a drill 
multiple well, multiple drills. Pops outdated. There's got to be ways for you to prepare for rules like this, and the U.S. clearly didn't do it. You know what this tells me? This tells me that KD is not a leader. Oh, he boy. can't lead a team to a championship. Oh boy. And or a gold medal, because I don't think this team's gonna pull a gold medal. Oh lord. And this this speaks volumes about KD. You you see the leaders of the NBA ba- or USA basketball rather over the years, LeBron, Jordan, your Kobe's, even Carmelo. Yeah, my KD is not on that level of scoring, of leading, of being that guy. He simply just doesn't want to be it, and I, right now he has to be. I thought Melo should be on this team just from a veteran, oh my goodness, just yes, a, just from a veteran perspective. Like it's I think funny. he'd be perfect. KD is about to become the number one scorer in USA basketball, and yeah. he's still not the leader of USA basketball in the eyes of people. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah, absolutely. And again, unless you're Skip Bayless, you know the, you can't tell me Kevin Durant did a good job. He's the only one on this planet that thinks Kevin Durant's doing a good job. And, you I don't know, think Kevin Durant likes Skip Bayless. <laughs> I don't I'm think Kevin kidding. Durant knows who he is necessarily. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, listen, man, it's it's. I, I wouldn't go that far. Again, I think half these guys don't care. Um, now, that means you probably shouldn't be competing. But, um, you know, I think the, you heard it the other day. These guys, they, they said something about the French team. They said these guys are just completely different when they play for their countries, yeah, because they played together for 10-plus years. Well, yeah, it's our like guys, our CYO uh, team playing for, like, 15 years and then going to compete in the Olympics, as if we were, like, actually, like... Athletic and taller? Right, yeah. right, right, right. But you, <laughs> I mean, a couple of those I mean. guys are athletes, but like I know they, what you mean. Like, they play, they play so much together. Yeah, it's like you're pulling up to that... Yeah. Uh, it's like an AAU it? tournament. A- yeah. AAU tournament when those five kids and the goats were yeah. always running together with no bench. Yeah. Like those kids grew up to play. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. Again, I'm not overly concerned. I think the U.S. will medal, uh, but I don't. I you're right. I'm. I'm Is this a gold team? Uh, it's up in the air. I yeah. It'll be a final it's game. Really situation. up in the air. I think maybe silver is more likely. You know what? I'll take the U.S. for the gold. Yeah. I'll take him. No way. I'm taking Luca and his boys. <laughs> uh, their first Olympics ever. So and doing numbers, Luca's yeah. doing numbers still. He's the best player in the world, I think. Not mm. even I know Giannis would get the love he want. He deserves his flowers too, Giannis. But Luca, Luca is, I don't, I don't think he's as an unstoppable force as Giannis is. Giannis shot seventy eight percent around the rim in the NBA Finals. Everybody knows those are Shaq numbers. Though. Everybody knows he's going to the rim, and they yeah, but Shaq. Took his wide rear end, sat on the block, and moved you out of the way. No, Shaq was the best player in the NBA for a couple of years. Right, that 2000 to 04 ish. Giannis is taking the ball up at times. He's playing point guard. He's you know from the, he's got that running start that literally everybody should take a charge on, and nobody does. Like I'm it's scared. it's really it's just weird. Um, and I I mean that's why I think Giannis right now he just he gets so much at will and it looks so effortless. And I think he can just dominate a game more than Luka can right now. When you talk about prospects and the up and up, the NBA draft is tonight. Goose, who's number one? Cade Cunningham. He's uh, Oklahoma State. He's going to go to Detroit. Uh, that was leaked early this morning. Honestly, it should have been leaked the minute they got the pick because, you know, there was no suspense. They did turn well, down a, a package from the Oklahoma City Thunder for Shea Gilgis Alexander and the sixth overall pick stupid. for the first round pick. Now, what I have heard... You take Kate, shy every time. I've heard Cade Cunningham compared to the likes of Luka Doncic. 
and what? but a better defender. Hold up, you're giving me a guy with a Euro League MVP to this no-name Oklahoma State guy who's a running dunker. Oh, come on, <laughs> a running dunker. He shoots forty percent from downtown. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. He, he's very efficient. He's six eight. He plays point guard. And he can defend better than Luca. I'm just a good diehard. Although I think you and I can defend better than Luca can at times, but you know that nonetheless. The game's changed. But I think Kate Cunningham. You know, I haven't watched a lot of tape on him, so I again, I gotta either. go. I'm just talking to you. I gotta go. You know, off of what these guys say. You know, and you know they say he's gonna be a great prospect. I I just I just Joel and I can't. I don't get excited for the NBA draft like I do the NFL draft. And uh, and some of the others around. Well, the it's more either you're a star already in the NBA, or you're a big project, and you're five, six years out from being memorable. That's exactly how it is nowadays. Like a Cam Reddish, we could hear him in a couple of years as being a 21 point per game scorer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we might it's see a long project. But but with that said, where do you see the number two pick going? Houston Rockets. We'll just talk top two. Yeah. Is this a Jalen Green situation? I think it is. Or do they replace John Wall and go Jalen Suggs? No, I think it's a I think it's a Jalen Green. Uh, selection here. I just think Jalen Green's gained a lot of traction. He's had a lot of great workouts, uh, according to the scouts. And I just think, you know, if it wasn't for Cade Cunningham, he'd be the number one pick in this draft. And it's a guy that decided to go that that uh, the other option. In, instead of going to college, he went to, I believe he was in a G League program uh, for the Which year. Which pay is 500K. Yeah, 500K. And he went down there, and he's still going to be the number one, number two pick in the draft. You know, I, I'm, I'm waiting for some idiot to come out and say, well, if you went to college, you'd be number one. Um, I, I, You know, I just, I don't know how true that is. but Well, he's 500K richer than the next guy. That's so. also correct. But, <laughs> you know, he did that kind of a year early because now it doesn't really matter with the name, image, and likeness stuff. Um, we'll these, talk a little about that. These guys that. can earn whatever they want now. And, yeah, we will talk a little bit about that later. But I think Jalen Green's got it. It's going to be the pick. It's got to be the pick. And uh, the Rockets get Jalen Green. And that basically wraps up basketball. Goose, let's bring it to the baseball world. Let's start East Coast. Yankees, we have a big trade. Yankees, who do they acquire? Uh, left, final left-handed bat in their lineup, Joey Gallo uh, from Texas. I think he's a career 213 hitter. Uh, he hits a lot of He hits a lot of mucho dingers. Uh, Texas will receive right-handed pitcher Glenn Otto, second baseman Ezekiel Duran, excuse me, uh, member of Duran Duran. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Short stop, shortstop Josh Smith and second baseman outfielder Trevor Haver as part of the package from the uh, New York Yankees in the Joey Gallo trade. Uh, Rangers get a massive, massive haul. And uh, there is a little kink in that trade, too, I believe, uh, Joey Rodriguez, I believe, is also going to New York with Joey Gallo, and both contracts are being fully paid by the Texas Rangers. Uh, so the Yankees stay under the luxury tax of two hundred and ten million. Well, here's the biggest question: Is selling out for a season where you're two and a half games back to a second wild card worth it, or is this going to come back to bite them? They gave up decent, not great farm players, decent, decent farm players, but. Is it worth it? Yeah, they didn't give up anybody top ten, which is you know obviously very important, especially for a uh, guy like Joey Gallo. Big left yeah, bat. yeah, and again, he's a big left bat, but I mean, bro, honestly, they're you, losing fourteen zero as you speak. They're hitting in the little league, you know, the, that right field line is belongs in a little league stadium. Like it's not, it shouldn't even be in a big league park. Huh. You literally could put any left. Brett Gardner's got like a hundred home runs in Yankee Stadium because he just hits. He's a he's a freaking lefty. And he just hits him down the line. Just rips him. You know, and that's what I would do too. But, um, you know, again, I, I, not too major of a haul in my opinion. Um, I think if you're the Yanks, because if you get hot, it, again, like this is what bothers me. If this team gets hot, 
the rest of the league is screwed. Like if it, like their pitching, which a lot of people thought would be their demise coming into the year, has been excellent. Obviously, with the exception of Garrett Cole giving up seven runs today and their fourteen nothing blowout. Um, but you know, for the most part, their pitching still has been a side good. Their their bullpen hasn't been great, and they're and they're not hitting the baseball at all. And they're two and a half games out of a wild card spot. I and and I think I'm a I'm a big believer, John. When you get in, anything can happen. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm pushing, get in, and see what happens, man. You got you got a lineup of Gallo, Judge, Stanton. You know, hopefully Voigt's back by then. Gary Sanchez. You know, you got a stacked lineup. And uh, you know, I think if you get in, who knows what's gonna happen? You play a wild card game against the Yankees, one game for it all. You know, I think that's that's a proposition. If I'm a Yankee fan, I, I would I would uh, welcome. I wouldn't oppose it. I'd welcome it. And it's why Vegas still has them in the top seven or whatever to win the World Series. Because yeah. if you translate on paper to on the field, it's game over. You're right, and they will separate from but, the rest of the league and even division. Their division's hot, and they could be better than the rest of them. But I will tell you, they've had some very Mets-esque losses this year. Oh yeah, they've had some losses where in previous years that's it's it's what people laugh at the Mets for. You know, you look at last week against the Red Sox. Ron's throwing a seven. Uh, he's throwing a no hitter through seven. Comes out for the eighth. Gives up a hit and a run. They bring in Loizaga. Loizaga gives up four more runs. They gave up like five hits in a row, and they end up losing five four. You know, it's just it's one of those things that can't happen, and they got to find a way to address that. So I would expect if uh, if uh, a guy like Kimbrel's on the on the. Uh, Market on the market, I would look for them to attack that and use either him or Chapman in the eight spot, and just try to surefire that bullpen. Now, let's flip the Burrows right here. The Burrows. We'll, we'll go from the Bronx. We'll go to Queens. What do the Mets need to do before this Friday to really make a move at the deadline to push for a World Series? By the way, we got to go to the Met game last week. It was you, me, and Zach Kruk from WTBQ. What a guy! What uh, a guy! We, Kruk is. we had an absolute great time. It was you couldn't ask for better weather. Couldn't oh, ask yeah. for a better Mets game. Uh, that, that's one thing that didn't dawn on me. The weather was perfect that night. McGill was perfect that night through six innings. Polar Bear hit two moonshot home runs. Right around our areas, Right too. around our areas. The second one landed in the second deck in right center. So today, I think too. if he hit it towards us, it would have hit the top of the upper deck and would have bounced down to us. Uh, I, I don't know. I would have had Jolan hold me up so I could try to catch that one. But, uh, no, absolutely phenomenal People time. People got stepped on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and I'm excited to be at the back and black game on Friday night against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the first game they're going to wear those alternate black uniforms in years. And uh, Carlos Carrasco is going to start that game. That's an unbelievable sign uh, for the team. I think he goes probably three innings, and it's a bullpen game from there. But, uh, listen, if he can give us three perfect innings, I'm all about it. Cindergaard's, you know, he's throwing in the outfield now. Uh, we'll see when he gets back to a mound. Jacob DeGrom was supposed to throw an intensive bullpen session uh, earlier this week. So you never know uh, what's going to come of that. I know he's been playing some long toss. So, you know, again, hopefully the Mets are getting right at the uh, – they're getting healthy at the right time, especially that starting pitching, because if they get healthy, this offense is due to wake up, and they kind of have since the All-Star break. Oh, yeah. But they've been pretty good against the Braves. They haven't been – they haven't been good at all. Let's put it that way. But – uh, they've been pretty good otherwise, and uh, I think this Mets team needs a starter. So Jose Berrios uh, from the Twins, I think, is the guy. The Mets, you're not getting Scherzer. I'm sorry. And I'm actually getting an update as we're recording this uh, that the Padres are working on a deal 
to get Max Scherzer Hello. to San Diego uh, by tomorrow's deadline. So that's going to be just track that story. Nothing done yet, but definitely track that story. Uh, the Mets, again, like I said, they have to go after a starter. They they do not need a position player. They I like I'm not I'm not about this. All oh, they need a hitter. They need a hitter. Listen, I think they've got the talent, but go get it. I would rather you go all in on a starter than give half for a position player, and then we got to settle in the market for a starter. That's a great point. Go get your starter on the market that you like, and I like Jose Barrios. Go get him. It's going to be definitely fun, inching to see. Let's look at the rest of the NL East right now. Besides the Mets, does anyone really compete for their top spot right now? They've been in the lead for quite a while now, north of three months. Where do you see this NL East division going? Well, I think the Marlins are obviously out, and you got the Nationals who look are looking to sell at this point. Uh, so really, you're looking at a three-team race. Uh, Philly is is trying to chase the Mets. The Mets have seemingly, I think they've had first place for like 85 days now, and I feel like they've led by four for like 80 of them. Like they, they they've just always been leading by four games. It's been ultra consistent, and uh, you know again both both them and the Braves. The Braves credit to them. They have not folded. Uh, since Acuna went down, I haven't uh, you know looked at their record since he since he went down, but uh, you know credit to them, they're going to be in this thing till the end, and the Mets you know they'll find a way to keep all these guys in it till the end of September, and so buckle up, Mets fans, and just hope that uh, you know they don't go out and go and get Jose Barrios like the Phillies or Atlanta. You better hope you go out and get your guy and feel comfortable. But remember, you're in first place, and people are chasing you not the other way around like it has been in years past. Let's do one more division right now, the NL West. I know we really didn't go over this in the prenup thing, but who wins this NL West division? The Giants are still red hot, not slowing down. The Padres, you just mentioned it, are closing in on Max. Where do we go here? Yeah, I think the Dodgers end up winning the division. I I still think they just, in the end, um, I think in the end they find a way to get there and get it done. Uh, but I, I will tell you, I think the Padres are going to put up a hell of a fight. El Nino, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., whoever they acquire. They got Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh. If they can get Scherzer, I mean, dude, you're talking about a rotation that's going to be darn, darn good. You know, and they already are darn good. And with Scherzer, they're going to get even better. So uh, I would look for the Padres, you know, if they get Scherzer to try and make the late season run. But I think the Dodgers, in the end, they squeak out like half a game or a game and win this division. Um, it basically wraps up baseball for now. We'll go over a few more divisions as time runs on, if we're allowed to. Let's bring it to the Olympics. Goose, what do we got? Yeah, we got a lot of Olympic action going on. The U.S. has dominated swimming pools, some big uh, big upsets. First, we'll go to Lydia Jacoby, uh, the swimmer out of Seward, Alaska, racing against some of the best in the world, including one of her own country women, uh, Lily King, who was the queen of the, I believe it's the 100-meter breaststroke. She was the queen of that, was expected to take gold, and Jacoby came with a surge that I haven't seen in a long time. Took gold, and Alaska went completely nuts. Uh, that may be why they have an earthquake out there today. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, and then you had Bobby Fink, who I believe was at the men's, well, it was the men's 800 freestyle, I believe it was, that uh, he came back. He was in fourth and fifth the entire race, came flying back. 1.9 meters per second, was absolutely cooking the field, came back and took gold. Uh, so some big stories. And then you obviously have the Simone Biles. Uh, that's going to be a hot topic for a lot of people for a long time. 
Uh, you have a lot of people that are like putting her on a pedestal, like she should be treated like Jesus. And you've got people that are treating her like, like she's a piece of crap and have called her a sociopath, have called her selfish, have called her immature. I think neither one is correct. I, I think, think I'm it's, in the middle. I, I'm in the middle on this one. I think it's okay to say she quit on her team. She, yeah. Because she did. She did quit on her team. But, but the situation's okay. The situation and the reasons behind it allow it to be okay. I think in you know, in just about everybody's mind. You know, I, I we can't be afraid to say it. Yeah. Did she empower people to talk about their mental health? Yeah. But she quit on her team. Like, she did. My whole thing is... There is a very, very good time and place for everything. But when you're a professional athlete, time and place on the biggest stage, you just got to push through it a little bit. Yeah, but that's the problem. Mental health comes and goes like like the seasons change in the Northeast. Like it, it comes That's where the term like, professional comes in. You gotta yeah, be bigger. But, you gotta be bigger than your situations. Happen to a billion people that get paid a lot less. Yeah, but you're a human. First of all, yeah, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan quit basketball because he couldn't handle the media. That's mental health. He had problems that he couldn't admit because it was 1998. Okay, Michael Phelps almost quit swimming because he wanted to commit suicide at one no, point. I know. I this is we're we're at a point where she can do what she wants, and she actually opened it up for her teammate to win gold, which That's actually true. turned out you know one. turned out to be. To be the best, but again, if you know that what you're about to go out there and perform is not going to help your team win, why are you going out there? Terrible. I, you know, I think she, I think she knew. Even, even giving it everything she had, trying to push through it, it would not be enough for her team to be great. And again, I think the, I think the conversation Joel on two switches, if she had competed in the individual events. No, if she had stayed in the individual and just quit the team one, it, it I think it's a different narrative. But her, you know, again, withdrawing from the whole thing, I, I think it speaks volumes. But again, I'm not ready to sit here and like discuss. I'm not, not going to bow down to her. I know like, that's not what I'm going to do. But I'm also, you know, again, selfish, immature. By the way, can we remember Simone Biles is 24 years old? How many oh, immature 24 yeah, year olds, you know? All of them. Right. Exactly. Like <laughs> All of them. We just normalize it because she's been to three Olympics already. She's been on the stage since she was 16. Also, what we She forget, did call herself to go. That's where the high That is just from. true. But she. what we also don't remember is she's the last U.S. gymnastics woman still around that was abused by Larry Nasser. She's the only one left. Really? From that group. That's, how that's Larry still Nassar on the face. team. Larry Nasser's dead. Is he? Great. I think so. Or he's in prison for the rest of his life. I think so. I think um, you know, but again, he's he's not coming out. He's not going to see the light of day. But, you know, she's the last one from that group. The rest of them left. Because I remember when I turned the coverage on, like, I don't recognize any of these names. Where's, like, Raisman and Gabby Duck? They, all, they all quit gymnastics after that whole, you know, that thing was a disaster and a disgrace. You know, so, again, she, you know, again, she is, she is, one of the she is the best in the world. She is US gymnastics. She still is. Like regardless she won a gold this year or not. And let's also not forget the competitions are different. The biggest one I've seen is what if LeBron quit game 7 of the finals? That's not how this is. Yeah. Right. And you got to remember in competition LeBron could have 15 turnovers in the first quarter, right? He's still got 36 minutes to correct it. She's got 90 seconds to be perfect. To be absolutely perfect. And you know, again, I just think the U.S., even the U.S. gymnastics team, the way they announced this, screwed it all up. They're out here announcing, oh, it's a physical injury. 
And then they're like, no, no, it's a mental health thing. And I'm like, you guys can't get this right. And U.S. obviously with the whole Larry Nassar thing and many other incidents, they've been under fire and rightfully so. And they just continue, much like we talk about the NCAA not knowing how to handle things. Then neither does it seem like US, the USA gymnastics team can handle anything That's either. That's a point. It is, it is pretty wild. But we've got some other cool stories. We had one of the Russian Olympic Committee uh, um, gymnastics men. He was competing on a torn Achilles. Um, Whoa. Yeah, you had the Philippines weightlifter. She won the first gold medal ever for the Philippines. They've been sending athletes to the Olympics since 1924. This is the um, first one? This is the first one for the Philippines. Good so, Lord. Good you know, for her. There's, some, there's just some great stories. Katie Ledecky is just continuing to do her thing. Uh, she's been fantastic. And there's just great stories. You know, um, I work up in Warwick, New York, and uh, one of the big stories is the women's three-on-three basketball tournament. Stephanie Dolston, who went to UConn and then now plays in the NBA, played on that Olympic team. She's from Menacing Valley, which is like a half hour from the radio station. Oh, that's awesome. So up there in, you know, upstate New York, they're – they're very happy, you know, obviously about that result. And there's just a lot of great stories and the great reactions from the families and stuff like that. So uh, you can't, you know, uh, it's a great Olympics. Is there still question marks about whether it should have happened? Absolutely. There always will be. But, you know, so far, regardless. they're putting on a great show. However, we're starting to lose, like the Americans lost the favorite, pole vaulter. Um, he was going to win the pole vault competition. Oh, yeah, dude. He tested positive. Yep. We've had like four golfers test positive, you know, so it, it, it is still coming, you know, it is still happening, but uh, that's that's what I got basically on the Olympics. And yeah, right now the medal standings, U.S. leads with 38 overall, China's in second with 31, and the Russian Olympic Committee is in third, I believe, with, with 28. With 28, thank you. Um, yeah, obviously they can't use their name because of the whole... The whole doping incident. Uh, they're lucky they're even allowed at the Olympics. Uh, they had a fight to get that, you know, so... So, yeah, the Russian Olymp- uh, Olympic Committee is still doing numbers there. That basically closes out the Olympics for now. Goose, let's bring it over to the football. What do we got in the NFL? Let's talk a little Giants. Yeah, let's talk Giants. We had the big story about Kevin Benjamin. Lasted about half a day at Giants training camp uh, before he was released. And there was a lot of misconceptions around what the story actually was. However, you know, the Giants said to Kelvin Benjamin, you need to come in 15 pounds lower or 17 pounds lower, whatever it was, and he came in three pounds over uh, what his original weight was. So, uh, and he got into this whole thing and this whole rant about Joe Judge will never win a Super Bowl. Uh, all he does is walk around and cuss all day. He's, a, he's an all-about-me type guy. And listen, the one, what I'll tell you is Joe Judge's coaching style is not for everybody. No. We know that. And, you know, we see guys all across sports that are that way. We just talked about the University of UConn, Gino Auriemma, oh, yeah. Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, where Joe Judge came from, by the way, where he won Super Bowls already, Kelvin. Um, but he comes from that tree. All are coaching styles that it's not for everybody. But it is a style that has proven to work at times. Uh, well, for the for the top three guys for a long, for, long time. For the guys that buy into the system, it works too. If the guys buy in, and you know this, it's all about what was our was it our senior year? No, no, no. Was it our sophomore year or our freshman year? All in. Our motto was all in. Yeah, that was that was. Oh, I don't remember. I think it was freshman year. Yeah, I think it was. Freshman I think it was freshman year too. year too. But the motto of all in: if you get everybody to buy in, it doesn't matter what the style is; it's going to work. You know, just because you're getting. You know the the you know everybody to buy in. And you've got you've got uber talent. Like, it was originally the Giants in 07 that uh, yeah. did the all thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, of course, of course. 
But uh, no, I get the Giants. So the Giants, Kelvin Benjamin, done. Uh, the Giants continue searching for tight ends that can actually catch the football uh, because they still have Evan Ingram on their roster. Um, but Kyle Rudolph can catch the football. Toy Lolo can catch the football. Caden uh, Smith can also catch and block. So Giants have some options there. And uh, Joel, it's going to be a great year. I mean, listen, it's all up to Daniel Jones. This season, he's as much on Daniel Jones as any season of his entire life. Well, entire life. When you introduce an offense with Kenny Galladay, with Kadarius Toney, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Saquon Barkley, Rudolph, Ingram, you expect the quarterback to perform. He has all the weapons in the world. Year three, we saw Josh Allen take the leap. I think it's a make-or-break situation this year for Daniel Jones. I would agree. I would agree. So, What do you, what do you think it is for Saquon Barkley here? Is it, does he need to put up a thousand, or he's getting cut, or what's the situation? I don't think he gets cut. I, again, I think he's the, Gi- off I think the Giants are dumb enough to pay him. I I would not. Uh, I'm gonna. I've made that very clear on this podcast, and Me I'll too. continue to make it very clear. I am not in the market of paying running backs high amounts of money unless you are willing to concede. And you should write this in the running backs contract down at the bottom. It should have a giant block, and in the block should be big bold letters that say, "We concede. We're not winning a Super Bowl this year." I think that's that's absolutely the way that contract should be worked. If it's anything over north of like twelve, thirteen million dollars a year, that should have to be stamped. My max. That should have to be stamped at the bottom of that contract because that's exactly what you're doing when you pay those guys that type of money. Why can Carolina do it? Because Carolina's not competing to win a Super Bowl anytime. No, soon. they're competing to sell tickets, and McCaffrey does that. The Giants exactly. are never in that situation. Exactly, but we've got some. Uh, uh, we've got some other. You talk about ticket sales, Aaron Rodgers. That situation finally come to a head. Uh, it seems like the Packers are going to make some concessions. They brought Randall Cobb back, his buddy. And uh, basically there's going to be a way in Aaron's contract where this is it. You know, he posted, him and Devontae Adams posted the picture of the last dance. Uh, you know, very cryptic, but that is, you know, 2021. It's all about cryptic tweets and, you know, crypt- Instagram stories. cryptic, yeah, cryptic pictures, all that stuff. Um, this is their one last run. You know, I think if they win a title, do they stay together? No. Uh, I think this is it. Uh, but I, I do, I don't think they're gonna win the title, and I think he's leaving. I'm so. telling you right now, betters beware. Just put ten bucks aside, ten dollars. Put it on the Packers, because if I know one thing, it's when Aaron Rodgers is backed into a corner by the media, by his own GM, by the rest of his team, and so on and so forth, he performs at a very high level. I would, I would. I honestly... think we're seeing a repeat MVP. I think he throws fifty touchdowns north. I think this guy is coming out guns blazing. And I think 50 touchdowns is easy now with 17 mm. games. So who knows? Who knows? I think Aaron Rodgers is about to lead this team to the promised land. Well, I think the line on him to win MVP was plus 650. So if I, if I read that correctly, bet 100, win 650. Yep. So, I, you know, I don't know. Again, I don't know if in the last 24 hours that has changed. By the way, he had that press conference. Again, the Packers he, are top four in the Super Bowl right now. Right. He, he he had that press conference, and he was very real Oh yeah, in that press conference. It's great conference. to see some uh, transparency. Very, very authentic. You know, and again, I think he's right when he talked about how some of the guys got mistreated when they left, and he should have been consulted. He named names. You got the Jay Cuomo's. You got the... Um, uh, you've got Julius Peppers, Julius Peppers, Jordy Nelson. He talked Charles about how, Woodson. He talked about how Jordy Nelson could have been a mentor to Devontae Adams. You know, again, like I, I think, you know, he, I think he's right in that because I think every, everywhere else, everywhere else you go, the quarterback's got that, and especially a quarterback of his caliber 
has that kind of power. Yeah, it's not like we're talking about no Joe Schmo, top 15 right. in the league. This is the top five guy ever, whichever way you slice it. Right, like, and, and you know what? I, like, like he said, he's like, I. he goes, I'm not the one signing it. He goes, I would just have loved to have been consulted about it. You know, and maybe, maybe change some guys' minds. Right, maybe try to save them. And again, like, you know, people criticize even that. And I'm like, guys, you know, somebody was like, well, this you know, is a business. It is a business. And it is it's unfortunate. But again, these guys do get consulted so oftentimes. Here's, here's my business argument. You want to know how business runs well? You treat your employees well. Things move better with you take conversation. care of your own. Exactly. When everyone's happy, the ship sails. You know what I'm saying? No so doubt. So Aaron Rodgers being paid all that money to run this business, essentially, is not consulted. Things are missing in the business. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Packers are bums. Um, but regardless, we want to talk about some bum organizations. New York Jets have signed. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Zach Wilson does sign his contract, though. The Jets have officially um, signed the last first rounder um, in the NFL who was holding out. And yeah, 20, what, what do you what do you think his status quo is now with the Jets? I know he's an immediate day one starter. Yeah, but what are the expectations for him in that building? Well, by the way, twenty two point nine million dollars signing bonus on that contract. Woo! Um, so that's going to be beautiful for him. I believe he gets that in the first two weeks. You want to talk about offset language? So mm. zeros. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, in terms of what I mean, listen, the expectations in New York are that of you compete and you play hard. And why is that the expectations? Because your organization stinks. And it's the same way with the Giants the past couple of years. The Giants fans have been, well, we just want to play good and we just want to be competitive. And that again, that is the thought process of a losing organization. Yes. I'm not asking Zach Wilson to go win 14 games. But what I am asking Zach Wilson to show me is why he got selected number two, that he can handle these NFL defenses, and that he looks to make a quantum leap at some point, you have to show me some plays that tell me, hey, I think maybe, you know, with a number, with a true number one receiver, like maybe this dude explodes. Or maybe with a run game, this guy's that much better. You know, I think, you know, just I'm, I'm looking for some career defining moment. And again, I'm not saying like I'm going to say he's a bomb after one year. You know, you got to give him time to develop. But what's his style? Is he going to be the Kirk Cousins type guy? Or is he going to go be a Russell Wilson type guy? You know, and again, I think you can see flashes of it. That's what I'm looking for. And But I do that, Joel, because I watch the game so closely. Right? You can do that when you watch it as close. If you're a casual fan, you're going to say, eh, that looks normal. Yeah. But you and I can look at it and say, wait, wait there's flashes there. Yeah. There, there, there's there's some of You saw with Mahomes year there. one when he wasn't even a starter. Yeah. But what I want to comment on the Zach Wilson situation is the Jets – put themselves in a very bad position to be in the lose-lose pattern. What I mean is, they now have a guy out in Carolina who, if he performs very well, they look like idiots. He also has four guys who got drafted around him and with him. Mm -hmm. Or if they perform well and outdo Zach Wilson, they look like idiots. So the only way this gets resolved, the lose-lose, is if they win games. Because he could throw 30 picks a year. And if he wins games, it does not matter. Yeah. Winning cures everything. And as but much, it's a very bad situation to be in. As much as you beg patience, we just know New York's not that. No. The, these Jet fans will make assumptions on his career after, you know, whether if he starts 17 games, if he started if he started eight games this year. Well, he has five quarterbacks that might start this year that he has to go against and be compared to one-on-one. 
That's like what twenty five percent of the league almost. Yeah. Like goodness gracious. Yeah. So we're gonna see about that, and what we're also gonna see about Not uh, like is more, uh, 10, 15. is the vaccines in the NFL. The Ooh. NFL has come down pretty stern, and this is actually a rule I thought they should implement last year, uh, and they finally do it this year, and I think it's because they have the vaccine in their po- in their pocket right now, um, and that is if your team has an outbreak. Instead of scheduling it for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, if you if the game has to get canceled for a COVID outbreak, your team forfeits the game, and paychecks are null and void. So there there is again the NFL is trying to incentivize people to get vaccinated or be safe. You know, if you're not going to get vaccinated, at least be intelligent about how you're going about well, your business. You even see vaccinated people getting sick and not Correct. really having symptoms. But the main thing is being safe, not being stupid. No nightclubs on the weekends. I know the status quo is up there for being an NFL player. Just don't really live that life this year. But the status, but I got to tell you, the difference is if you're vaccinated and you test positive, you can come back as soon as you have two negative consecutive tests. 24 hours apart from each other. If you're not vaccinated, you are automatically done 10 days, no matter what, no questions asked. Don't even think about getting a test before then. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it it really, they're trying to get people incentivized to do it. They're getting pushback. Obviously, some coaches have left organizations. And, Joanne, I got to tell you, I think guys are going to get cut over this. I I really believe it. And they're telling agents right now, um, they've been told to treat free agents, ask them the question. If they refuse to answer, they are to be treated as if they're an unvaccinated player. And uh, it's really interesting, you know, because all these guys are like, I think it was Dak Prescott said, I can't answer that question, that's HIPAA. And again, we've kind of like lost sight of what HIPAA actually means. Uh, it's much like actually the First Amendment, yeah. the freedom of speech. Like half the people that claim freedom of speech don't actually know how it works. Um, so it's the same thing with HIPAA, but Joanne, it is something to watch. And I do think a guy like Colt Beasley, right, wrong, or indifferent, I think he could get cut. First of all, they have Emmanuel Sanders in the slot. So they don't necessarily need Colt Beasley. And if he's going to be a distraction with this COVID, with the vaccine thing, this is what I've said, Joanne. I put it out this way. You've got, you've got workplaces that can't get people to come back, right? You've got shortages everywhere. Truck drivers is a big one. Restaurants. You can't mandate the vaccine in that. Why? Because there's no supply. Because if you fire those people that don't get the vaccine, you're now even shorter on staff. You're now even running at a worse loss than you were before. However. Then a lot of those guys work solo, not in teams. Right, right, right. However, the NFL has millions and millions of people lined up outside of Roger Goodell's office that if one dude decides... You know, I'm not. I'm not going to get vaxxed, so I get cut. They've got enough supply to keep to keep filling spots. They legitimately have at least 103 guys at the door at all times. Minimum. At, Minimum. At all times, ready to go on a list. Like they have scouted, have some due diligence with, some rapport. Right. Where they could call a receiver or X amount. Of, like the list is long. So, and that's what I'm saying. Listen, we're not saying whether to get vaxxed or not, but what I'm telling you is the NFL is going to make it very difficult on you if you are not. And you got to be careful because, again, Watch they, out, they, are a pri- they are a private company. They're a private business, private sector. They can cut you if you do not get this vaccine. And fans, if you're against it and you're against the vaccine, you're still on our side. We all want football. We yeah. all want football. Yeah, we, 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 all, we all want it. So, um, But what I'm sure a lot of people want to, Joel, is more aired out. 
And uh, unfortunately, this is the end of episode 55. Uh, it's been a it's been an absolute blast, y'all, on this chapter of the podcast. Like we said, uh, we're looking to come back in a bigger and better way. New textbook, um, maybe. No. But, yeah. <laughs> but this chapter of the podcast, Sean, it'll never be the same. It started in the middle of the pandemic. Started out with two guys that didn't really know what they were doing, and uh, we we kind of we went from kitchen to kitchen. We did an episode in my car. We did one in your backyard with airplanes flying over, you One know, time, and now, man. and we've gotten to the studio ever since. We've had some guests. We've had, you know, uh, both Aponte brothers, Nico's joined us, Vince, Nick McCarthy, uh, Moltner's been here, and, uh, you know, I'm blanking on some other ones. We have Stephen Papadopoulos was in here. Um, Crook filled in for me. Crook filled in. Um, Zach Gelb was on the podcast. Dan Baldwin was on the podcast, too. Um, and the list just continues to go on and on, Jelana. And it's really, it's remarkable when you look back on it 55 episodes later, you know, and here we are and we've created this product that I think, you know, people like, and especially international people. We're looking at some of the stats. We're we're big across the seas. Well, yeah, like, shout out Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland, Ohio. And no, like, nobody there. And like you. Belarus. Like, we're killing it in Belarus. Gotta listen to the Russian Republic or whatever. (laughs) We're absolutely killing it. So, but again, we'll be back. We'll have new ideas. We'll have different, you know, um, whatever agenda, you know. Maybe new music, new pictures. Revamp the whole process. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. And by the way, the first first episode of Chapter 2, it's going to be the LT episode, baby. The Goose episode. Gotta love it. And uh, this one was obviously the Jolan episode, Takembe Mutombo, Junior Sayal, may he rest in peace. Uh, and Derek Brooks. You can always reach out to me. Again, you know, whether you want to talk podcast, ESPN, whatever you want to talk about, reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle, at Goose on the mic. Credit to Jolon for coming up with that one. And Nick Prisco came up with that. That's a crazy story, too. Maybe we'll tell that one day. But uh, at Goose on the mic on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle. Jolon, where might the people be able to find you? And or the podcast. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Good Old Joel's always O L E. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Instagram it's Air It Out Podcast, and on Twitter it's Podcast Air It Out. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, compliments, or if you want to congratulate Goose for going up to Connecticut, always reach us out of those. No doubt. Continue to review us on Apple Podcasts. Continue to leave reviews. Let us know we love what you think. In Ohio. What do you love? What do you hate? You know, do you want to see more sink or swim with just you know a different, maybe a different way of about it? What do you want to see? You want to see more games on the podcast? Just let us know, and obviously we'll stay in touch via Twitter and Instagram. We'll make announcements about the podcast. What's to come? Is it coming back? Is it not? And uh, obviously, if it's not, we'll we'll get together and we'll do something. But, Jolan, it's been a pleasure, my man. And, you know, again, we've been boys since you got here in middle school. And uh, it's it's been a, it's been an absolute blast over the past year and a half uh, to be able to do this podcast with you. Uh, and now we're on to bigger and better, you know, platforms and universe and, and, and all that type of stuff. And now we're up to asking ESPN if we could run this show. So, it's beautiful. <laughs> Jolan, until episode 56 and until whenever that may be. If this is either the best beautiful bow of all time or it's either the last best beautiful bow of all time, put it in the books!